Welcome to the Fret Dojo Podcast, the place where pro guitar players share their secrets. Visit www.fretdojo.com to access online courses and free resources to take your guitar playing to the next level. Welcome everyone to the Fret Dojo Podcast. My name is Ben. I'm here with my fellow instructor, Ryan Dillahay. And today we have a very special guest who doesn't need an introduction, but we're going to give him a proper one anyway, Mr. Jimmy Bruno. So let me tell you a little bit about Jimmy. So Jimmy Bruno is a Philadelphia native. Uh, he started playing guitar at the age of seven. He was born into a family of musicians. So it's no surprise that he played guitar eight to 10 hours a day. He studied jazz improvisation with local Philly bass legend, Al Salfer. And to develop his technique, he taught himself to play the rigorous classical violin etudes of Wolfhart and Paganini. His professional career started when he joined the Buddy Rich Orchestra at the young age of 19, in which he toured all over the world. He then went on to play in orchestras for Frank Sinatra, Doc Severinsen, Lena Horne, and many other music icons. He also spent many years as a Los Angeles session musician alongside his friend Tommy Tedesco, before returning back east to focus on playing jazz. He has over 13 critically acclaimed CDs to his name and has shared the stage with legends such as Tal Farlow and Howard Alden, as well as contemporary greats such as Frank Vignola, Cheryl Bailey, Barry Green, Pasquale Grasso, and many, many others. He is the author of numerous instructional books, such as The Art of Picking and Six Essential Fingerings for the Jazz Guitarist, both available from Mel Bay Publishing. And he's also featured in instructional videos from Hotlicks, such as No Nonsense Jazz Guitar and Inside Out Jazz Guitar. So it goes without saying, we're very pleased to have today with us Mr. Jimmy Bruno. Jimmy, how are you, sir? I'm pretty good. Excellent. I'm glad. I hope we didn't wake you up too early this morning. Uh, get up at six every every morning, five between five and six. Oh, nice! Is that is that your morning routine? So you can go hit the gym and the weights and. Ab ab yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You, you and me both, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, why don't we start? Um, we're gonna we're since we have you here, and since you have such a such a uh, amazing career as a player, but you've also have done some uh, instruction quite a bit of instruction. So we're going to split up our time, I think, a little bit between okay. the two. Um, why don't you tell us about how it all started for you, though? Like you were in a family of musicians, and so you started playing guitar at seven. Was it always jazz, or were there other things? Like what inspired you to play guitar? Well, my father was a guitar player. My mother was a singer. Right. So I got a guitar, when I'm really a good guitar, Guild Starfire when I was seven and I learned how to read music. My father taught me and we used the Mel Bay books from one through seven. And so I would never, I, I wasn't at that period. I didn't know. I didn't realize what jazz was. I didn't really get into jazz until I was about 16. You know, I was, I, I play, uh, you know, I, I knew a, co a couple songs that my father showed me, you know, uh, girl from Ipanema, Eptide, but I played by by rote, you know. I just wherever, however he showed me to play it. I didn't get into jazz until I was fifteen, sixteen. Was there any like any like pop or rock on the radio or country? Was there anything? I'm I'm sure there were, but my parents didn't listen to that. It would they listened to Elsa Gerald? Uh, oh, okay, Louis, Louis Armstrong. And might see uh, Sarah Vaughan, and you know, my mother was a singer, see? And um, so I, I only heard that kind of music. I didn't know about Jimi Hendrix or Eric Clapton until I went to high school. And I went, who's that? Oh. You know, never, never heard music like that before. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, you, yeah, being raised in a family of, Musicians, I think that's always a nice touch because people who are like that tend to start earlier and they're immersed in it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Ryan, you want to pop in? You have, uh, I know you have a number of questions for for Jimmy. 
Yeah. So, I mean, even just going off what we're talking about right now, I mean, you're talking about not getting really into jazz until you were 16. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what that initial experience was like? Um, What introduced you there? uh, My father was a big Johnny Smith fan. And um, I listened to a lot to the Moonlight in Vermont record, the one without Stan Getz. Okay. And I wore that record out. Then there was another one called Jazz Winds from a New Direction, Hank Garland, which really, uh, really inspired me to, you know, to to play jazz guitar, you know. And years later, I actually got to meet him. I think it was Jacksonville, Florida, through Barry Green. Oh, wow. Yeah. Long time ago. And then, you know, Cal Fardo, Howard Roberts, et cetera, et cetera. Pat Martino, of course, who uh, was a good friend. And at some point, um, I stopped listening to guitar jazz and discovered Bill Evans, Oscar Peterson, uh, Bud Powell, Mark Tatum, then saxophone players, uh, Sonny Stitt, Charlie, Charlie Parker, uh, the She's just so many, so many tenor players, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> outdoor players too, you know, and um, I really wanted to play more like that. And there was a record that I heard when I was uh, maybe twenty after Buddy Rich, maybe I was in my twenties, and that was um, Charlie Mingus live at Carnegie Hall. There's only two tunes, and one side of the album was CJ and Blues. The other side of the album was Perdido, okay, and uh, a bunch of tenor players, right? Mm -hmm. Different, you know, alto saxophone players. And I heard that that Perdido, Rashim Roland Kirk. And I mean, it was just, was unbelievable. You know, at the time, I was really into smoking pot, okay? (laughs) The first time I heard it, it was like, Wow, this is this is it, it's so fantastic, you know. So next morning I got up and I says, "Boy, I really wonder if that was really as good as I thought it was." You know, <laughs> so I went out and found the album, and I was even more impressed with with uh, uh, Ross and Kirk, Roland Ross and Kirk. Um, and there's a bunch of saxophone players that that play before him, um, and they were all good. You know, and some of them were played out, really, really, really outside. Um, and it, it just amazed me. His solo just blew me away. There was no more solos. I don't think anybody soloed after he did. I mean, it, it's incredible. And and I really wanted to, to play those kind of lines, you know, but I had to change my right hand technique for that. What was that uh, sort of transformative process like? Well, it goes back to the idea is this. Well, uh, I, I didn't even tune this, but anyway, that's for t- for, uh, typical Charlie Parker line. But he did. It's that. So you can't do that alternate picking. So so anyway, if you're going to a higher string, it's always a downstroke. If you're going to a lower string, it's always an upstroke. That's the whole book. Um, (laughs) And so, but it also goes back to uh, uh, the Wolfhard studies. So um, my father had a friend, a guy named Joe Lano, okay, who studied with Joe Scrow, famous Philly teacher, and of course Dennis Sandoli. And so he marked the picking on the book. This comes from Joe Scrow, who was a violinist originally, okay. And he was a Jehovah Witness, and I think he did some time in jail, be conscientious objector. I think this is probably World War II. And he couldn't get a viol- he couldn't get a violin in jail, but he got a guitar. 
so he applied the t bowing techniques to the guitar. So right here. So that would be those are all down. And so if, if so that's how it started for me. And I, I kind of changed the idea a little bit to to play um uh, Coltrane, like you have had, I mean, starting at the age of 19 with Buddy Rich, that's not exactly a, a starter gig, but you know, to start your <laughs> career with that and to play with all the people you've you you have, this is not an easy business. No, not uh, at all. What do you think? What would you attribute? Uh, like, what what was it that you think made you able to create such a like such a long and uh, successful career? Was there like, would you say it was work ethic? Would you say it's networking? Would you say it's combination well, it's, of a lot of things? It's it's definitely work work ethic. And there's also a, a large amount of luck involved. Uh, uh, that's the part that, you know, I, uh, I don't want to be say that I, I happen to be at the, the right place at the right time. because that wasn't it. Um, an example, here's how I got signed to Concord Records, right? I had, I was doing work in uh, LA. I, I lived in Vegas for eight years playing shows in the main rooms. Got tired of that and moved to LA. Met Tommy Tedesco. Um, did some work, a little bit of studio work with him. And I, I was 35 years old, and I realized I don't want to play music. I don't want to do this anymore. So I moved back to Philadelphia, and I quit playing, quit playing music for two years. Got involved in the restaurant business. Okay, if you're in the restaurant business, you meet other people that have restaurants. Okay, so I met this guy Jack Prince, and he says, "Boy." Um, I hear that you, you know, used to, used to uh, play jazz guitar. And I says, yeah, I, I used to, you know. And he says, well, I'm thinking about putting jazz in my restaurant. You want to give it a shot? And I did. Okay, I played every Wednesday and Saturday night, and he taped every night. It's a big jazz. It's a big jazz fan. And I said, to him, Jack, what are you doing with all this? He says, I'm going to get you a record contract. I said, yeah, right. I think I said something to him. Yeah. You got a better chance of getting elected to the Board of Regents of Harvard. But anyway, he tortured. He, he got me a really smart guy. He, he looked at all the record companies, and he found that Concord Records had the most guitar players on it. Okay? It was like a who's who of everybody in guitar. So that's where he sent this tape that was three tunes on it. And he just bothered Carl Jefferson, who owned the the company and another guy, John Burke, who was the, the guy, uh, you know, second in command. And he really annoyed them. And so, uh, Carl, I don't know, I don't know exactly the conversation, but it got so bad that he told Carl Jefferson, he says, listen, just listen to it. He says, if you listen to it and you call me back and say, I'm not interested interested in, I'll never call you again. That's what a pain in the ass he must have become, okay? Now, I don't find any of this out until much later. And so he calls Jack back and he says, do you have more of this? Who is this guy? You know, how come I never heard of him? Did he just get out of jail? You know? <laughs> and Jack says, yeah, actually, I, I paid for an album that we made, okay? So he says, uh, so they, he says, well, send it to me. And that was slight hand. And Boy. And, and sorry, this is roughly this is a uh, mid to late eighties. What well, was the I, year? I, I I think it was in the nineties. I think nineties. Oh, I think it's uh, ninety two. Ninety two. Okay. Okay, you got it fast. All right. Yeah. I was thirty. I I remember. I was thirty five. Okay. I'm seventy now. So thirty. If you could subtract thirty five. I can't from, do the math, Jimmy. You I, can't make me I do the math. Either. I can't do it. Maybe, maybe Ryan can. Ryan is a young out. guy. He's got a sharp mind, fresh out of college. He's got the sharp yeah, mind. That'll that'll tell you the uh, the year. I guess it was really hard to tell. I I think it had to be eight. 
great that you brought up the the uh, the Concord uh, label because that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. How did the um, you had the uh, the jazz guitar collective in '95? That was an album, right, yeah. that you did with Frank Vignola uh, and Howard Alden, yeah. right? And yeah. that was kind By of following way, in the tradition of Concord, right, where they did the guitar well, greats with Barney Castle and Hervalis. Right. Was that the yeah. idea behind it? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was called the Great Guitars. Right. Right. Uh, Al Farlow, Herb Ellis, uh, Charlie Bird, I think originally, and that was that. That was the idea. The idea. And uh, now, before we recorded that record, I recorded another one with Howard Alden that came out after. Okay, it was called. Piece mm, I can't think of the name, but it was a double album. It was the first record that Carl Jefferson ever put out. It was Joe Pass and Herabellus, okay? And uh, the last one that he produced actually was uh, the one with, with me and Howard Alden. And I can't remember the title of the uh, CD. That's, that's terrible. But that one was uh, uh, recorded before the yeah, it collective, came out, it, but it yeah. was released afterward. Okay. Af afterward. And it turned out in a strange way, it, um, that was the last record that he produced was the one with me and Howard. But, I mean, just an ironic twist of fate because he, you know, he, uh, he passed away shortly after that, you know, and he, he knew, he knew it, you know, cause he, he called us, he called us up individually and says, uh, um, I'm, I'm calling up to say, you know, uh, goodbye and, and, you know, thanks for the music. It's I mean, just a, a really good guy, you know. If it wasn't for Concord Records and all those CDs, I don't think anybody would know who Jimmy Bruno was. I'd be like the local really? hero. I, I do. I really believe that. I mean, now, you know, now, I mean, the music business has morphed so many times since that. You know, I don't think there's very many labels or I'm sure there are a few that are actually recording, you know, people. You know, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not real sure. I, I'm. I don't really pay that much attention to to that. But I'm, I'm sure there's a few labels that are doing things. You know, and there's also uh, Universal Music Group. I think owns everything, even the stuff that I did. Uh, they bought up Concord Records. I, I believe. I don't know how it's structured. Um, I know that that they can. They like to record young people, which they fear, you know, guys want to make a lot of records and, um, you know, go on the road and, you know, et cetera, like that. You know, um, you know, I can't, I can't go on the road anymore, you know, like the way I used to, you know, sure. I don't want, I don't want to, you know, and, and I'm old. You're I'm an old guy. You're 70 years old. Are you kidding? What was it? You got some. BB King types were out there traveling in the nineties. So I know that's yeah. up to you. Seventies young guy. Now. Yeah. It's a, it's a terrible lifestyle. You don't yeah. eat right. You know, um, you tend to drink a lot, you know, I mean, not uh -huh. alcoholic levels, but, uh, you know, I mean, you're on stage for maybe two hours, you know, what do you do with the rest of the time? Sure. You know, it's a lot of uh, a lot of idle time to, to you know to, to usually to drink or you know pick up some other bad habit, you know. <laughs> so I mean, I had my share of that of that stuff, you know. Um, now the last time I went on the road, well, man, I can't say it. Right. Uh, Frank Vignola, we, he has these big Jersey jazz camps, okay. They're all different places. You know, we we did one in Denver that were Ar Arvada, Colorado, connected to uh, Archtop Show, Hendrick Hendrickson Amps, um, and uh, now before, right before the pandemic, I played the Blue Note and the Blue the Blue Note in Beijing and the Blue Note in Shanghai. Did you find like any difference in the in the crowd in the audience? They have. They're, um, they're little, American jazz legends are coming to play, and yeah, yeah, they're uh, 
they're very res more reserved than Americans, you know. Uh, they're very polite. Here's the thing, though. They know more about, they knew more about me than I did. <laughs> That's scary. I started, to, I started to talk to some people in the audience, you know. I mean, it was really a gamble because I kept thinking, who, China, who's going to come and see me? And it was a really an, ex you know, it was expensive. The cover charge was like a hundred, maybe a hundred U.S. dollars. I don't know, yeah. you know, in Chinese money how much it was, you know, and that it just gets you in the door. Doesn't, yeah, yeah. I, I had a terrific time. I, I, I would go back, you know, in a heartbeat. And a lot of young people, um, lot university students, they're very dedicated to, to jazz. You know, they're, uh, I don't know, different. For sure, in a good way, in a good way. So, but before that, it was a lot, of, a lot of traveling with my own band. Sometimes myself would go pick up a band. You know, it get it, it. I don't want to do that anymore. Well, speaking of the young students and the university students and just students of guitar in general, let's pick your brain a little bit as an educator because you put out uh the hot licks videos right you had the no nonsense guitar that was sort of your unique approach to improvisation right. can you tell us a little bit about that like uh what's your advice to say someone who's just starting jazz guitar and you know there's a mountain of information out there you got to sort through it you say, no, nope, this is my no-nonsense approach. What are you covering? Where are you starting? What are you focusing on? Um, you know, that was such, I did that such, such a long time ago. And um, I can't remember. I think it was, there, it was about um, something, uh, using the major scale to solo. Well, say now, say even now, like even if you weren't going to use that particular material, yeah. someone's just starting now. Okay. What are you going to tell them? This, look, focus on this. You've got your whole life to go through all this other stuff because it's all out there. Start with this. Develop your ear. Ear. You don't need any books if you have an ear. You can figure, you can figure it out. Find something that you like. You know, it's going to be hard the first couple times. You know, um, also learn tunes by ear, not the real book. Learn tunes and, by ear. Absolutely. Because first of all, you'll remember them forever. You don't have to play them every night. Uh, and, and that's the thing that I find missing in academia. I, I don't see enough um, emphasis on that. Um, uh, because if you can... If you could see what other people did and understand, you know, what they're now, you don't need to have perfect pitch, you know, because I don't. I mean, I, I, you know, I remember, you know, early on studying the modes, the Dorian, G mix, Lydian, et cetera, et cetera. And then I don't you know, I, I, the Omni book came out, okay, Charlie Parker solos. And, you know, I, I knew those solos because I listened to them so much. And to see it written down, I didn't find any D Dorian or G Mixolydian. Right. You know, so I had to rethink all my stuff, you know, because I mean, what I was playing, uh, if I listen back, you know, things that aren't published, you know, just old tape recordings. I mean, I played pretty well because I had great technique. Didn't sound like jazz. Didn't sound like, certainly wasn't bebop. You know, so I had to, every, everything changed and it changed the way I teach too. Okay. But you can't just say as a teacher, you have students, right? You uh, teach, still teach privately, right? On Skype yeah. and you have, you know, you can't just say, okay, go figure this out and that's it. And then charge them for money. Right. So you actually teach them some material. Right. Oh, yeah. stuff. So what yeah. what is some of that that you focus on and what do you think is, is kind of a waste of time? Don't waste time with that. Well, I, I think that modal thing is is a that's not for me. OK, I can't speak for other people. I mean, um, 
I, I you know that term it really is it got it's misused okay I I, I think it came from this maybe uh, Miles Davis you know did bridge Okay, so it's G minor and A minor, okay? But they're both different minors, okay? This is it. Okay, so here's, and then I listened to what Miles played. It's a great solo to transcribe. This is. And we're talking about milestones, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the notes of an F major scale. Okay, it's not G Dorian. You know, he might he like that note a lot against that G minor. Me too. Okay. And then this that's a C scale with F sharp in it. Okay, I, I, I know it's Lydian, but I don't call it that. It's these uh, here's what I do. Well, if you got two five one and C. That's the notes of a C scale. Okay. Now, when you say C scale, it makes people go. Okay. Bad terminology. I call it, these are the uh, pitch collection. That's where all, if you looked at the piano, that's where all the white notes are. Okay, and you, you can use those notes, and it's going to all sound consonant, okay? And then I might tell somebody, okay, take the arpeggio out of there, okay? And then a half step below the root. Okay, I just added the some of the black notes. Easy to see on the piano. So I see... That happens five times on the guitar, uh, where, where all the white notes are, and then you got to put in other keys, right? So uh, it, it seems like a lot, but in reality, it isn't. It isn't. And so with those fingerings, here's the here's the most important thing. You know, a saxophone player get a kid on the saxophone, and uh, you, you show him a melody, he'll, his his ear is a hundred times better than a guitar player. Because his hands are doing the same thing over and over again. We have all, you know, all kind of. I mean, what a useless fingering that is. Okay. <laughs> Never going to do that. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, without. It makes the same sounds happen on the same fingers. For example, if I played this line. Okay. I could go here and play it. Same finger. Let's say the chord's D minor. Okay. Uh, then here. Exactly the same fingering. So this fourth finger, that's telling me the sound of the root. Then And then happens here. And here's the fly in the ointment when you cross the beat. When you go, it changes the finger, okay? Because it's not quite tuned, all right? So that's the sound of the root. So there's the sound of the third. Okay, so. Get played over to G7. Okay, now so, somebody might say, oh, that's D melodic minor. Yeah, but I didn't think of D melodic minor to get, I, I heard this note. G7, which is the augmented 11 or flat five, or this D minor. Okay. 
So here's how I teach it. Okay. Play through those chords, not over them, but through them. Okay. Now I want you to add the note C sharp on the D minor. Okay. Now add the note A flat on the D minor. Then do it to G7, then do it to C. And that, but your your fingers will always be on this. It's either there or over here. So that's it in a nutshell. So now you don't have um, so many possibilities uh, for fingerings on the guitar. That's what makes the guitar hard. Sure. Too many fingerings, you know. Um, but that that's how I um, I try to make it easier that way, you know. And once again, it's all focused on developing your ear. Well, you you mentioned earlier, and it's it's true. Um, it's a little challenging at first if you're just starting on guitar and you yeah. want to start transcribing. Who would you say is a is uh, is a great or where is a great place to start for someone who's okay. just just like brand new? Because of course you know they don't want to start ripping out of some Charlie Parker and you know as their first one. Where would you start to, to, to for a new Miles to, Davis? Miles, Miles Davis, blue, a, a kind of blue record. So just try and figure that out all in your ear. Close the real book. Just yes, yeah. Now, okay. Now I would I would do that to to maybe be able to match pitch. Like especially Miles' solos are very simple. Uh, there's not a lot of notes. I shouldn't say the word simple. They're elegant, you know, uh, and it, it's not busy. Okay. Now, for songs, okay, you can't start with Sarah Vaughan or Ella Fitzgerald, okay, because they're adding in different inflections. To, you know, if you really want to learn the melody and the right chords, Frank Sinatra or Tony Bennett. Yeah, that's that's how you get the right chords, uh, the, sure. the right melodies. You know. Um, so you know, I I would use the real book as a guide. You know, as that's that's the second source. You know, if you really can't, you know, you have to be able to hear a major seven, a minor seventh, and a dominant seventh, and a minor seven flat five. Okay, that covers everything. And now, if you can't do it, uh, go sell shoes. Oh, that's a little harsh, but probably fair. Don't be in the, don't be in the probably music. Fair. Sure. I mean, I, but you know, <laughs> there's a lot of, it's the music business. I mean, there's a lot of people that know nothing about music and are very successful at it. You know, uh, I, I, if I, you know, that I was more like thinking about uh, Taylor Swift, like those. That kind of stuff, you know. Well, she's making making a few bucks doing it too. Yeah, I, I'm, I, and you know who I really like is Lady Gaga. She's she's got a nice voice. Oh yeah, the, the duet records with the Tony Bennett. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, she started out singing jazz in New York. She was a big Ella Fitzgerald fan. Was that right? And then she, yeah, yeah, and she figured out like, wow, wait a minute, there's no money in this. I think I'll make a dress out of meat and go on the Grammy. <laughs> I mean, it works. It works I mean, for some. I, was, I don't think it would work for any of us, but no, it's certainly. No. Too late for me. I can't put spandex on anymore. Like <laughs> there, okay? You know? You uh, mentioned uh, Frank Sinatra, and in honor of my grandmother, who I swear had it on 24-7 whenever I went to go visit. Yeah. How did that gig come about that you you played in the orchestra? You played in orchestra oh, for oh, Frank that. Sinatra. Oh, um, he lived in Palm Springs, right? He had a house there. And I was living in L.A., and so he got a band from L.A. And the con a contractor, a guy named Joe Saldo, called me and says, it's a one-nighter with Frank Sinatra. You want to go? Said, yeah, sure. Okay, we all got on a bus, uh, uh, paid for by Frank Sinatra. We had a waitress, <laughs> drinks, food, okay? <laughs> Uh, maybe, I don't know how, from L.A. to Palm Springs, okay? And we did the rehearsal without him, right? And uh, the music was so easy. I knew all the songs. I've been listening to that stuff since I was a kid, you know? And I knew the arrangements, too. So out of curiosity, I opened the book, the, the actual music, 
to to see, you know, wonder what they wrote. And I had it right. Mm-hmm. It's just simple. I did. I had had it. I mean, really, I didn't find anything. Wrong. And so uh, it was paid for by Acura Cars. That's who when they first came out, Japanese company. And um, he came at like quarter to eight, walked in the back door in a tuxedo. Okay. And now I played for a lot of famous people in Las Vegas, okay? Never got starstruck until I until he walked on stage. I mean, it's like, wow, I don't know what it is about him, okay? Then he it, he says to me uh, on stage, I didn't know this was coming up. He says, hey, kid, do you know girl from Ipanema? And I says, yeah. And then he says, okay, just you and me. Yeah, I mean, man, I was so nervous, you know? And, um, End of the gig. So I wanted, I really want to meet him. Okay, so I, backstage, I, there was a little party, a little room, and I saw him. I says, I'm going to go over there. And I'm walking in, big guy comes to me, he says, where you going? I says, I want to see Mr. Sinatra. He says, no, you don't. Oh, you can't come in here, right? Jilly Rizzo, his bodyguard, right? And he happens to look up and says, that's okay. Let him in. You know, and I went in. And I says, I start Mr. Sinatra. He says, ah. He says, try to try to tune a fish sandwich there. It's really good. Like that. <laughs> you, you played real good, kid. And I was, I tried to compliment. He said, he says, try to tune a fish. <laughs> and it, it happened a couple more times, just like that. I mean, I was never really his guitar player. Not you know, uh, there was gigs like that. I mean, he uh, treated me great. You know, I don't I don't know the guy. I mean, there's some, all kind of you know when you're when, I think when you're that famous. I mean, he's been around. He was around for a long time. Um, there's a lot of misinformation that you know uh, comes about. You know, wrong. Wrong. Wrong thing. Well, you know, like if just like one person has a bad experience but they have a microphone right. somewhere and it gets amplified. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm sure that all those, any stories about uh, anybody that's in the public, I'm sure there's a little bit of truth in there too. We've talked about your music. We've gotten some of your uh, secret tips for guitar players. Why don't we take a listen to some Jimmy Bruno? So we're going to play a track off of the Polarity CD. That's the one? Yeah. And... We're going to listen to Cherokee. So this is Jimmy Bruno, Cherokee.
Okay, and that was Cherokee uh, from Jimmy Bruno's Polarity CDX. And so, Jimmy, let's talk about uh, what you're up to now. I know that you um, are teaching privately via Zoom and Skype lessons, um, and people can contact you through your website. Uh, no, Jimmy at JimmyBruno.com. Oh, so just a simple email. Okay. Yeah. I will have links to this and to your websites on this video okay. and in the description. So you're, you're teaching, uh, you, you're also, uh, still doing, uh, you're playing gigs with Frank Vignola. Mostly, mostly Frank. Um, uh, well, also a lot of cheap teaching we do to big Jersey jazz guitar camp. Sure. They're, they're at, at different places. In fact, one next year, we're going to Italy. We went to St. Croix. Um, I mean, a lot of, a lot of places, you know, and, um, then, uh, the guitar night at Birdland, I, I was doing a lot of those. Um, Frank's still doing them. With, you know, uh, got to meet a, a great young guitar player named Pasquale Grasso from Italy. You know, what a nice kid. I'll tell you, he can really play. And uh, around the Philadelphia area, there's not, not much going on, you know, playing-wise. There's a place called the Falser Club in East Falls. Maybe I do once a month there, you know, with a quartet. Um, and in a strange way, I, I met a guy from Wisconsin while I was on the road playing in Little Rock, Arkansas, believe it or not. And uh, make a long story short, he's a producer, writer, and an actor. And he has his own production company named Freddie Moyano. And um, he's had several successful um, TV things. They're on IMDb, International Movie Database. And so I'm scoring some things from here called the Union House Hotel. It's a mystery. Now, that's not your first uh, TV and film scoring, right? You you had done some of that yeah, when you were I, out in L.A. Yeah, nothing, nothing, uh, uh, nothing major. You know, I okay. played on a lot, of it, but I, I that I I never wrote for that before. You know, okay. I, I you know I I learned how to 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 write for orchestra. When I was in Vegas, I mean, I, my first job was Lola Falana, and she says, "Can you write charts?" And I said, "Yeah, right." And then I went home and I said, "Geez, now what?" I never did it before. <laughs> okay. Always take the gig, right? Always take the gig and figure it out. Well, yeah, and um, you know, I learned by making really stupid mistakes. You know, I mean, uh, one one chart. I mean, they, I was surprised that any sound came out of the orchestra at all. So I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, and um. I said, the trumpet players were laughing, you know, something I wrote. And I says, what are you laughing for? Lead trumpet player, his name's Rick Baptist, okay? Um, he says, Jimmy, if you want a short note on the, you know, you want like this, you know. Uh, he says, you write too many rests. He says, just put quarter note, put a carrot on the top of it. We know what to do. You know, and, and it's easy to read. You know, so he helped me a lot. And a saxophone player, Gene Ventresca, a lead alto player at the Saints Hotel for years. And, you know, I he showed me some things I did wrong, you know, like yeah, putting breath marks in there. He says, he says, obviously, you never played a wind instrument, <laughs> you know. He, <laughs> says, he says, you know, Jimmy, you wrote a flute line here. He says, if I played it, I'll pass out. I said, what are you talking about? He says, I need to take a breath somewhere. You put a rest in there for me, okay? <laughs> so that a trial and error, you know. And then one time that uh, trombone section was hysterical, I I wrote up a, a trill, not fast, okay, like da 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 da, and I picked the two worst notes on the trombone. It was B flat to B. B flat, I think, is here, and B is the seventh. <laughs> So I was fortunate enough to to be around older older musicians that had patience to explain it to me, you know. Um, I, I'm, you know, I did a lot of writing. I, the more I wrote out there, the more gigs I get writing, you know. And um, that, that, that I learned by trial and error once again. So now this TV show, uh, what's the process? 
that you're using? Like, are you using soft, like computer software now to do it? Yes. Or you're doing it yes. all? Yes. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, they're all sampled sounds. They're not, they're not MIDI. It's triggered by MIDI. Okay. Uh, I have a keyboard, but I'm staring at it. It's a full size keyboard. And in, in it, uh, it has sounds too, but I'm not using that. I'm using it to trigger a MIDI interface that triggers the sampled sounds like harp, strings, flutes, woodwinds, you know. And so I play, I put down two guitar parts and I add the pieces of the orchestra in. You know, I'll probably put it out myself or maybe I have one record company that might be interested. Interesting. You know? Okay. So is is that the CD you were talking about that you're working on? Is is that yeah. all the same one? Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's What's your tedious. sure? What's your estimated time that you think that'll be out? Is that going to be out early next year? Uh, yeah, probably. If it, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's it just it takes a lot of time. I'm doing it all by myself. Sure. You know, and so you know, I'm I we'll we'll see what happens. You know, it's not, I'm more interested in, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. You know, I'm, I really am. Well, you know, there's probably a lot of opportunity, you know, doing that now with all yeah. the streaming services and there's lots yeah. of productions going on. You can make a couple of phone calls, I'm sure, because you've yeah. worked with and, so and many people. How, and that's how this uh, TV show thing came about. Okay. You know, I, I I wrote an opening and a closing theme for this guy, and he used it. You know, he likes it. And I just heard from him again. He, there, there's some scenes, dramatic scenes that he wants me to underscore with some soft music. You know, we'll see. You know, give it, give it a shot. Who knows what's going to happen? Sure. Well, it's convenient because you you just yeah. do it from from home on your own time. Yeah. 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 The show is called Union House Hotel. Union House Hotel. Well, so everyone's going to look for that. Yeah, uh, and, um, you know. Uh, by the way, Frank Vignola says hello. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a, a me and Frank go back a long way. I mean, Frank was a little kid, he's a, a teenager. Well, not a teen. He was twenty when I met him. Twenty or twenty-one. Once again, Concord Records, and going back and forth from where I live to Birdland every Wednesday night. You know, I tell, I told Frank. Um, he had called me. I says, I don't know, Frank. I says, I, I'm trying to, I'm going to retire, you know, on and on and this, this, this. And so I don't know if they're about the 10th week. I said, you know, Frank, you could talk a hungry dog off a meat truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At some point, maybe things slow down for him. Maybe we can get him in. I'd oh, love to, I would love to maybe get all you guys in on the, on your, maybe like a little round table. Where we can all have you all at yeah. the same time. Yeah, you know, you I mean, it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Include Cheryl. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, she's uh, coming in into Fred Dojo uh, again. Well, she was here right. for the podcast, she's coming in to do a live workshop, and we're going to talk right. about having you in uh, for a live wor workshop as well. I know our members are going to be absolutely thrilled about that. So we'll talk after, yeah. uh, okay. after our podcast oh. here, and we'll set a date. All right. Where does this podcast go? Uh, well, Jimmy, you're going to be a YouTube star with this one. Uh, so we'll we'll get it up on there. We have uh, it's also streamed on iTunes, and there will be a blog post uh, on the Fret Dojo website as well. So we'll make sure everybody knows all about it. Uh, before we wrap up, Ryan, uh, do you have any final final thoughts, questions for Jimmy? Oh, yeah, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time to be on here. Uh, you know, I've heard so many great stories over the years from Barry about you, and I've always admired your playing. So it's really awesome to have this opportunity to sort of connect with you. So thanks again. No, uh, that, 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 I, I had a good time. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm very busy that I have to, you know, be, be anywhere. It's a nice place to be in my career because I don't have to work. Sure. I'm not rich, but I don't have to work. You know, and you can pick so and choose and do what I want. You know, some nice. days I just don't. Some days I just don't do anything. <laughs> One more plug. Yes, please. We'll take as time with you as we can get. Re reissued the Jimmy Bruno model guitar. Um, there he did. We had it a while back, you know, and and then it, it was discontinued. 
and he decided to bring it back. And I'm so sorry, that's uh, Sadowski. Who is it who makes the Roger, Roger Sadowski. Roger Sadowski, the Jimmy Bruno model. So yeah, that's yeah. back out again. Okay. Right. Well, if I sweet talk them, maybe they'll send me one to try out and say, Jimmy said to send one here and send Brian the bill. <laughs> and that'll do it for us for today. Thank you so much to Ryan for joining us and to our very special guest, Jimmy Bruno. We will see you again real soon on the next Fret Dojo podcast. And for more jazz guitar lessons, tips, and free stuff, visit www.fretdojo.com.